And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. This is the Civilized Barking Podcast with Zach Jackson. Hey everybody, thanks for coming to Civilized Barking. It's week 17, Monday night, Browns and Steelers in Heinz Field. We know uh, the Browns have really played well defensively. They've really been awful offensively, but somehow they're still alive. I assume you know the scenario. Bengals lose. Uh, Ravens lose. Browns went out. They win the division. We'll see. Uh, but they have to win Monday night in Pittsburgh. Um, we are going to talk a lot of things, Browns, but we're going to start by bringing in your favorite AFC North whip around writer, longtime Steelers writer, um, colleague, and sometimes friend of mine, Mark Caboli. Mark has covered the uh, Steelers for Ben's entire career, Ben, uh, excuse me, not Ben, Mark, is Monday night finally the last time we're going to see Ben Roethlisberger against the Cleveland Browns? Uh, I, would th- I would think so. It doesn't look promising that he will be back. There's nothing been made official. We've been peppering him all year, and he's been pretty steady with his noncommittal answer. But you could see it in his face. You could see it in his body language. I don't know if he's uh, second-guessing him even coming back this year so it would be shocking to see him come back for another season however uh who knows i mean a decision has to be made very very quickly after the season i think his contract voids three days after the super bowl and of course free agency and draft isn't till march and april so i don't think there can be a decision made entirely until after that unless he somehow retires and you know how this stuff goes zach Something happens in June, and all of a sudden they make a phone call, and look who comes back riding on his white horse. But as of right now, I would be shocked that he's back right now uh, for next season unless something crazy happens. Yeah, I mean, my view from two hours away is they only brought him back this year because they just didn't have a better option, right? I don't don't think they have a better option next year. Well, right, That's and this is is one thing the Browns and Steelers (laughs) have in common right now. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, myself, I would always think that he would come back for one more season as well. Uh, he hasn't played terribly. I mean, don't believe what what the national pundits have said. He's been put in a bad situation here with the new offensive line, four out of five new, uh, the new offensive coordinator. I mean, even the offensive line coach was new, and he's gone now. So uh, wide receivers haven't stepped up. They can't get a running game. He's placed – you know, probably as best as he could play. He needed some help this year. He did not get that. So uh, I think he's still capable of playing. And where else are you going to find a 12 to $14 million quarterback? I mean, we're talking Teddy Bridgewater, you know, Trevor Simeon range right there. And I'm quite sure that he's better than both of those. But I don't know if he feels like he has it in his heart anymore after this draining year. I mean, it's a miracle the Steelers have won as many games as they have, right? They do, they do stink, don't they? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, who would think that a 34-year-old defensive lineman who they, they 
uh, let go, go to Jacksonville, Tyson Alu-Alu, before he changed his mind, like after he got COVID, then he decided to come back would be the difference maker. And that's what's basically been. He went down week two, and this defense has fallen apart since then. The run defense is just awful. They've allowed a 100-yard rusher or a 100-yard rushing team in like nine straight games. They've had three 200-yard rushing teams, uh, two yards from the Bengals being four in the past seven games. Um, their offensive line's awful. Um, you look at it, they've won a couple games they probably shouldn't have won, Baltimore, Buffalo, maybe Tennessee. So, yeah, they can easily be a 5-10-1 and, and one team. I mean, they lost – I mean, well, they should have lost to Detroit, but they didn't. So, yeah, it is surprising, but that's the AFC in general. You could probably – we could probably sit here and have a whole 15-minute conversation how the Baltimore Ravens should be about 4-13 and 13 right now too, right? Yeah, no doubt. Um, and to me, when you look at the Browns, who everything would be different for with just one more win, I mean, the most disappointing loss of the Browns season is the Steelers' loss at home. There's no doubt about yeah, it. I think that was self-inflicted, though, right? Well, mostly, I mean, absolutely, yeah. I mean, you have the best running back in the division, I think, and a team that can't stop the run, and you decide, okay, we're done running the ball. Let's do something crazy here and let Baker try to win it. It was just baffling to me. Yeah, I think everybody listening doesn't fully trust Kevin Stefanski when it comes to Monday's game plan, Mark, but it's pretty clear. Uh, at this point, we don't know if Kareem Hunt will be back. I think that he will. We don't know if he'll be 100%, but it doesn't matter. They have the offensive line. They have Dearness Johnson, and as you mentioned, they have Nick Chubb. If the Browns throw more than 11 passes, they'll probably lose this game Monday. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I don't know. Do you think that Kevin Stefanski will come out and try to throw the ball. I mean, I know one thing that they want to do is I know Cleveland likes to play action pass, and you mm-hmm. have to have some semblance of a running game, at least try to attempt it. But I've said this before you over Slack or Twitter or wherever I was talking to you at. If he runs, throws the ball one time, maybe Kevin Stefanski should be fired in this game. <laughs> and I truly believe that. You run the ball 40 times in this game, you do not lose Cleveland. You do not lose. Yeah, so I, the article's not done yet, Mark, and really it's not even really probably halfway done. But um, before I got into this podcast and some other stuff, I'm working on a column, article, whatever it ends up being, uh, basically <laughs> saying, you know, we know Ben's career and it's going to end in Canton, and, and no one denies that. And the Browns have been a big part of it from not drafting him to – the great escape in 2007, which cost the Browns their only chance, you know, to the Browns going through all these years and years and years of quarterback purgatory where Ben has been the guy. And now, you know, for the Browns to keep this season alive, they can knock out Ben in the process, which we all thought they did last January, right? And Ben, in his one last stand, could end the Browns flickering hopes at the playoffs. I mean, this is, this is like some pretty good TV type stuff here for Monday night. Yeah, we thought that was going to be pretty good TV last year until the first snap of the game, right? Then it yes. all went down here, at least Pittsburgh's <laughs> view. But I think it would be so, I don't want to say fitting, but ironic that Cleveland passed on Roethlisberger. He has just absolutely murdered him for 18 years. And the last two images you have are Ben losing Monday night in football games at Hinesville to end the a season where he started 11-0 and potentially his career. I don't know if Cleveland would take that. I don't know what the overall record is. What is it, like 24-4 and all-time against the Browns, something like that? Would yeah. you take that Cleveland Brown fans knowing that 18 years ago that 
they were, he was going to put you through hell for 18 years, but you got the last laugh. I don't know. You might want to take that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Heinz Field opened in 2001. The Browns won their second trip there on a Sunday night, and they did not win again in Heinz Field until last January. That's and ironically that enough, that was the last time the Pittsburgh Steelers had a losing record, 2003. Ended up 6-10. and 10. And thank you, Cleveland Brown fans. Cleveland Browns for whipping them that year so they could draft Ben Roethlisberger. <laughs> I mean, the stories are amazing. The Browns put two of their own wide receivers on a private jet, fly them down to Oxford, Ohio, work out with Ben, um, and don't draft him two weeks later. Uh, is he, I, I think I know this answer. Um, you know, he, 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 he whooped the Bengals, too, for a long time, not as badly as he beat yeah, the Browns. Yeah. I mean, hell, until last year, he was the winningest quarterback in, in Cleveland Browns Stadium. But has he ever come out and talked about that, Mark, um, in direct terms? I don't know if he did it direct terms. Ben is very subtle with his answers, and you have to be around him for a while to know. But he enjoys it. You could tell he enjoyed that the Cleveland Browns did not select him and he was from Ohio, his hometown team, hometown state team, and he has been able to whip up on them. I mean, he always mentions, without even me asking, you know, winning, being very successful in Cleveland and in Cincinnati. So it's a way to motivate him over the past 20 years, but I don't think he's going to come out and say anything like, you know, you know, uh, <laughs> bad on them for not picking me, see what I did to them. Look what he did in Cleveland, you know, and on Halloween. And he walked off that field and soaked everything in right there, like he won the Super Bowl there. So he did. I mean, he was pumping s- those arms like, yeah, like it, that was it, a huge victory. Yeah, that was uh, that was something that he was soaking in, saying, "Okay, this is probably the last time I'm going to be here, and this team's the one that didn't want me, and I'm I'm happy to go out this way." So, yeah, I don't think. I mean, he's been very, very uh, calm in his comments this year. He's not trying to stir any. Pod, I don't. I think he's worried about a little bit of his legacy right now, as he has his way out the door. So he's not going to cut on Matt Canada. He's not going to rip on any of his players. He's not going to cut on Cleveland Browns. So he he's kind of boring this year, unfortunately. Yeah, just go out quietly. <laughs> I I understand. I understand. Um, all right. So two part question here, Mark. Before before we end this and move on, uh, outside of quarterback, which obviously is is the big deal. Um, where, where will the Steelers go first in the offseason, O-line or D-line? Man, everywhere. The one thing good about this um, pandemic for the Steelers is they're going to have $40-plus million to spend. That's unheard of for them. So they can pretty much they, – they've been, at least last year and the year before, uh, putting their roster together so they don't have any huge contracts that they have to worry about. So – um, they can pretty much build this team however they want to next year. They're going to have to go with offensive line. I mean, you're assuming Alu Alu will come back. Tuit will be back. Hayward will be back. You get those guys healthy. You need some depth pieces there, which are very short at this year because they were $25 plus million over the salary cap because of the pandemic. They just had to cut people to get you know, a roster on the field. But this offensive line's a mess. Absolute mess, but I guess that's what happens when you don't spend any draft capital for about eight years on the on the offensive line because you have a established group like they did with Pouncey DeCastro, uh, you know Gilbert, Filer, Foster, all those guys that were there forever. Now all of a sudden you got basically five new starters in a year. 
Uh, there's not much talent there. I mean, there's some young talent, but not some talent. So they're going to have to get offensive line. I think they should go. I mean, they played the Chiefs last week. The Chiefs were awful offensive line in the Super Bowl last year. We saw it. They signed Joe Tooney some big contract money. They drafted Humphrey and Smith at guards were starters right away, and they traded for Orlando Brown, and now all of a sudden Mahomes don't get touched. Yeah. I mean, it can be done. So I think that's the way they're going to have to go. They're going to have to go put some money into it, the offensive line, especially a tackle. Okay, so then what are they going to do with quarterback? I think it's going to be uh, Miles Garrett's buddy, Mason Rudolph, to be honest with you. I mean, there's not really many other options. You see a lot of people floating around this Matt Ryan idea, which is absolutely ridiculous. The only thing more ridiculous than that would be Aaron Rodgers. I mean, this team is nowhere near being the championship caliber team, and you're going to bring a 39-year-old and give up draft picks and $40 million or however much money he wants. That's ridiculous. That's, that's goofy talk. You can go talk about Teddy Bridgewater and Marcus Mariota all you want. What have they ever done? I mean, Bridgewater can't stay heart, heart, healthy, and Mariota hasn't played in three years. Your yeah. best option is maybe get one in the, in the draft um, if you're in position in the first round to grab a Kenny Pickett, a Matt Corral, whoever, something like that who you like. You're just going to have to go with Mason Rudolph for a year. That's basically their best option. Whew. Yeah, I mean, you know, everybody, it's it shifted over the last six weeks. It's everybody's gone from you're crazy for thinking that Baker isn't the guy to, oh, my God, Baker isn't the guy. What are they going to do? And, you know, they've already have a $19 million engagement ring with Baker for next year. And it's just yeah. not easy to go get a guy. So I, I do think yeah. the Browns have more flexibility and a better overall roster to go make a trade. But how realistic is it that you're going to get? Russell Wilson, Aaron Rodgers, Deshaun Watson. It's not. It's just yeah, not. I mean, if, if, plus, you give. You have to give up so much. Do you want to mortgage your future on a couple first-round picks or whatever on a quarterback that should be good? Yeah, I mean, I would say the Browns' the future is now, right? I mean, they've, yeah. they've drafted okay. pretty I mean, well. Russell they've put Wilson together these guys. There, right? Yeah. The yeah. thing what I don't think about Baker, and I don't follow him as closely as you, of course, is – I know he struggled this year, but my goodness, the guy's being – I mean, you're using scotch tape and staples to keep the guy together. I mean, how can you truly evaluate a guy that can barely walk, let well, alone throw? That's that's fair. They kept saying he was their best option. This is the first time he ever got to play in the same offense, right? I just think when you look at – and you've seen good Baker and Baker. You've seen it. We've seen it here in Cleveland, mm-hmm. right? There is no way, Mark, with a straight face that you could say the best version of Baker is good enough to win you. Um, what you want to win. And when you look at Nick Chubb and when you look at Miles Garrett and Kareem Hunt for one more year and arguably the best offensive, certainly a top five offensive line, right? Um, you know, you, you're, you're saying we, we should be playing for more than trying to sneak in to win this awful division here, yeah. right? We you better be careful, though. I mean, you try to get rid of Baker, and all of a sudden you're going to have, uh, you know – Trevor Simeon being your quarterback. I, I hear that, yeah. but but what does that thought get you? Like what what happened before Baker has nothing to do with what's going to happen yeah. in the future. I wonder Zero. if the Steelers. I wonder if the Steelers. If Baker would just be available, would they be interested in him? You know, that's that a, would be interesting. That's a fascinating thing. Um, I think it's probably unlikely that we get to that because they did guarantee yeah. Baker's fifth year option, so he is under contract for next year. They probably would not just cut him, but you don't. You don't know how this is going to go because, you know, yeah. of the the guys that are most in demand are under contract for other teams right now. So who's actually going to get out there? 
Yeah, right? you don't norm you normally don't see decent quarterbacks come on the open market no, like you like really a Watson. Don't. I mean, you see Kirk Cousins, but do you think Kirk Cousins is much better than Baker? That's that, uh, it's that's right. That, that, that's what complicates whatever. this. No, yeah, I, I agree with you that Matt Ryan's not not anymore. No. Um, now, if you were to devise a plan in which you moved on from Baker because his personality is exa- the Baker Mayfield experience is exhausting, yeah. and you just know you're not going to, then maybe you go Matt Ryan in a rookie. I can see that. Uh, and I can see to where this stretches out, and maybe you get in the second, third, even fourth layer of things. But outright cutting Baker seems unlikely. Now, you're probably only going to get yeah. a six-round pick for him because he's under contract for $19 million coming off his worst season of his career, injury, isn't, probably it, surgery. Isn't, that, isn't that. that money guaranteed now? It in, is. Under the new it's CBA, fully guaranteed. So, that's why yeah, you can't so. move him. Yeah. Or, I mean, that's why yeah. you can't get – you can move him once once the smoke clears, but you can't get yeah. him. Yeah. In the past, you were able to – Move on from him on a certain date, I believe, but not he, anymore. Yes, his first cl- his his draft year is the first one that's not because when they picked up Najoku last year, when they picked up his option, there, there mm-hmm. was a deadline day to where even though they had exercised it, it became yeah. guaranteed on a certain day. With with Baker and Denzel Ward, uh, it became guaranteed the day they exercised it. And of course, everyone listening in Cleveland or Pittsburgh doesn't need reminded that the Browns drafted David Njoku one spot before the Steelers drafted T.J. Watt. <laughs> And uh, Kellen Winslow right before that night. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, I, this story I'm talking about, Mark, like, I'm going through some of the – I mean, a lot of Ben's biggest moments against the Browns, the names involved for the other guys or guys that have been retired for 10 or 12 years. You know, I mean, the, the longevity <laughs> on this guy has been incredible. It, it just yeah. has. And all of a sudden – Within a year or two, the guy went from being a solid quarterback, the guy that could, can't even walk. I mean, you see how immobile he is right now. Yes. I remember seeing the training camp this year. He was He's our backup holder, right, Ben? And he was holding, and he tried to get up off the ground from one knee. And I remember making the comment next to me. I said, I said, boy, look at Ben trying to get up from the ground. I said, that looks like me trying to get up from one knee. <laughs> And it, it's true because I get because I got a bad knee, and it's almost impossible to get up from one knee because you got to put so much pressure on it. So, yeah, th- that's where he is in his mobility. Thing. But you know, as for the quarterback, I mean, who knows what the Deshaun Watson does too? Maybe the maybe the Texans are just tired of it and just want to give up a first round pick for it too. You know, who knows? Yeah, I can't see it getting to that because if he does get cleared, he's going to have value. He just is. Um, yeah. You know, it's probably yeah, not absolutely. going to be like I, I'm with you in the thinking that it's not going to be what it would have been a year ago. Yeah. Right. But yeah. they're still going to they're, they're not just going to say, OK, we'll take a first and a third for Deshaun Watson. It's going to be a lot more than that. If, if he gets cleared and that, this is a big if. And then you have the timeline where teams that are in this and there's going to be a lot of teams in this to some to some degree. They want to get it done in mid-March. They want to know because that's when your off season starts. That's when you do your big ex- expenditures and, and set your path for the next year or three. Right, yeah, and if it's here's not the clear thing, Jack, what happens? We're talking like the, this is a done deal. One of the Browns win two games. Baker looks great, plays somebody tough in this in the playoff game. Then all of a sudden, your narrative changes, right? Okay, I'll, I'll buy the what if the Browns win <laughs> two games because the Browns might be favored in both games. The Browns are capable yeah. of winning two games. Baker's not going to look great. Baker's broken. The offense is broken, and Baker stinks. I mean, those interceptions off his back foot. He doesn't see. He doesn't trust what he sees. He's awful. He's he's terrible. <laughs> <laughs> Four interceptions on Christmas Day. The Browns defense shows up and balls out against Aaron Rodgers, gives them every chance to win. 
and we're we're painting this game uh, Monday night as a good game. Is it the first one to eight points wins? Yeah. No. I when I saw the total of forty one, I mean, I almost wanted to make an extra trip over to Pittsburgh to get the money down on the under because, I mean, I can't see it getting to thirty one, right? And we I know think this, we know this coach accordingly. We know the Steelers aren't going to score in the first half because they haven't scored in the first half in five games. <laughs> they haven't scored a touch. No, eight games. No, they haven't scored a touchdown in the first half in eight games, and they haven't scored uh, at all in five games in the first half. So yeah, it is amazing. And the Browns <laughs> lost to this team on Halloween at home. Yep. Or they it would be is, in a different position right now. It is amazing. Mark, we thank you for your wisdom, for your insights. Um, Stick around, everybody. We're going to get to some Ask and Jackson questions and some other Browns topics of the week. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. All right, so we move it right along here. We thank Mark uh, Caboli, who always provides insight as only a Yenzer like Mark can. Anyway, um, it's Wednesday afternoon slash evening as we record this. So with the Monday night game, the Browns work week has not really even started. They did have a bonus practice. Um, obviously, the coaches have been work at work on the game plan. And um, the big thing is a bunch of guys came off the COVID list. So we're still waiting on the kicker situation. They did add Chris Blewett to the practice squad. As of this recording, Chase McLaughlin is on the COVID list. But, you know, Clowney's back. Uh, Hill and Hunt are eligible to be back. Malik McDowell's back. That's a huge deal. Greg Newsom should be back. So, uh, J.C. Treader will be eligible to be back. Um, you know, if the Browns have their offensive line and their defensive line, then they have every reason to think they can go in and win in Pittsburgh in a, in a run-heavy, defensive-minded first to 17 game. Um, so, we will see, you know, how that goes. So, they will uh, – um, travel over there to Pittsburgh on Sunday. Uh, you'll see, you know, the regular injury reports and all the standard stuff will go Thursday, Friday, Saturday, instead of Wednesday through Friday with the Monday night game. So uh, the Bengals are one win from clinching the division. They play the Chiefs this week. The Chiefs are four-and-a-half-point faves in Cincinnati, uh, last I saw. So that would keep things alive. I just can't imagine the Ravens beating the Rams where the Ravens are down to their freshman team at corner. Uh, going against Cooper Cup. So we'll see. Lamar Jackson um, is supposed to come back, and, and that guy can create a lot, but I'm not sure he can create seven touchdowns. So we will see what happens with that. Um, I, I don't really know what else to say about the state of the Browns, guys. Um, yeah, uh, that reminds me of one thing I did want to say. So, you know, each week we do the power rankings here on The Athletic. We look at all of these things. Um, any of these lists, and specifically that, like a power rank, you know, it's so hard, right? And 
you know, what are you using as your criteria? What really separates the teams? Um, to me, it comes down to a couple of things. You know what? Which teams can really, what's the number of teams that could realistically win the Super Bowl? And obviously, if everybody's healthy and with the COVID protocol change, hopefully, you know, teams will, will have their guys or most of their guys. Are you hot at the right time? Um, if you win a playoff game, as the Browns did last year and got to the final eight, you can win. You, 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 you're that far, you can do it. You know, realistically, how many teams can get there? I don't know. But anyway, when I look at these lists, I don't look at the pure numbers. Um, I just I prefer to put them in, in buckets or in tiers, right? I think, you know, coming into the season, we saw the Browns as a bucket two, tier two team. Some of them saw – some people saw the Browns as a tier one team. Uh, I think, you know, with the offense bringing everybody back, there was the hope that they could be a tier one team uh, if the defense, you know, eventually – got its timing down and kept everybody together. Well, what we've seen now, you know, through 15 games is we've seen a defense that's a bucket one defense. <laughs> it's, it's really good. Um, we've seen the offense completely fall apart. So, um, you know, it's not all on Baker Mayfield. And as you guys know, I've been very critical of Baker Mayfield, and Baker Mayfield has been very bad. Um, and to go out on Christmas Day and turn a ball over four times, it's, it's inexcusable. It gives you no chance to win. To perform how he's performed in the fourth quarter all year gives you no chance to win any prize of significance. So those are just the facts. Um, you know, the receiving core scares no one. That's part of it. Defenses play the Browns a certain way to take away Baker's sight lines, to take away some of his favorite throws. They sit on the routes, that's for sure. The Browns have been shuffling the O-line all year long after last year. You know, they only had to make a couple of moves on the line, and, and that group really got everything rolling. I mean, they ran for over 200 yards in Lambeau Field, and they lost the game. You know, they dominated total yards and time of possession and eight yards of play in the first half, and all of those little things that generally point to a win. It's never going to be perfect. It's never going to be easy, specifically on the road in the NFL against a really good team. But when you do all those things, you're supposed to win, and it's the four turnovers that sunk them, specifically the third. And then, obviously, the fourth gives you no chance. But you have to complete passes. Um, guys, I, I will absolutely sit and listen to Stefanski has, um, you know, thrown it too much. Stefanski has gotten away from the Browns' strengths. Um, the Browns have made questionable decisions in, in, in time management, game management all year long. I'll, I'll absolutely listen to that. But, like, you weren't going to run the ball all the way down the field on the Packers. <laughs> You needed to make those throws. The one in Njoku on the sideline, it has to be completed. It's not, right? Uh, and then, yes, Donovan Peoples-Jones gets held. But, I mean, teams are just going to take away Jarvis Landry in that situation. They're just going to shade a safety. They get you to third down. Just straight drop back. Um, it's just how it's going to go. I, I, I watch in person the Packers DBs sit on the ball, on the routes, on the quarterback's eyes all day long. They just had. So, um Let's get to some some of these questions here. I, I threw out hashtag asking Jackson uh, questions um, yesterday. So question from Jared. Any chance to Fansky's insistence on throwing Baker out there is an act to show the owner's box that a change is necessary? Um, Jared, I have thought that there has been an underlying message in that we need a, a better guy. But absolutely under no circumstances are, are people tanking games or is the coach calling plays. Um, to put a guy in position to fail. He, he's just not. The, the passing game has just been broken for 
multiple months. And, and again, it is not on any one person, um, but it's it's clearly broken. And this offense and this team have a ceiling because they struggle to make basic throws. The consistency in any area of the passing game is not there. The explosion in the passing game is rarely there. And, and the ball is just not consistently delivered to where it needs to be. Um, both on the simple throws and the hard ones, and, and guys have to bring them in to do it. So um, Jared's other questions, are there staff changes we should look out for, a new special teams coordinator or maybe a new D-line coach? I'd be stunned if they made a special teams coordinator change. Mike Prefer is close to Stefanski. He has been the interim coach in charge. Uh, the special teams have been shaky. I get it, but I'd be stunned if that was made. Um, you ask for a new D-line coach when the D-line is one of the strengths of the team. I, I just don't know. <laughs> um, I, I would say, you know, part of the next step of these things, uh, and I've been very careful to say this all along, Barry and Stefanski for two off seasons were doing the normal standard stuff. They have done very little outside of the box. I mean, yes, they did go get Clowney, Tack McKinley, Malik McDowell. Those, those, those are aggressive moves. I don't think they're, you know, crazy – outside the box, but that says you're here to win. But in, in terms of free agency, big ticket, addressing needs, extending Chubb and Garrett, those are no-brainers. So the next step is, you know, where where do you really spend your money? What happens when you have to change out your own guys? I mean, to me, I think this Browns program needs to keep its own schemes and guys together. So it's not to say there won't be one or two changes, but getting to that next step, and allowing your young players to grow. And I think as I look at the roster and look ahead, and yes, I know the Browns are still alive in the playoff race, but yes, we're going to look ahead here. Um, you know, you need to have guys in place. So so maybe there is a position coach that wants to go or needs to go. But I think it's important for this next growth stage that, that the Browns maintain continuity in, in terms of player development. Now, we have been shut out of the building for two years. I don't know any – of these assistant coaches personally, you know, there was just minor tweaks last year. They gave this guy named Ben Bloom a promotion to run game coordinator. Ben is a youngish guy. He's probably not 40. Um, if he is 40, he's barely 40. He uh, is an up and coming star in this league. The run defense has been better. So, um, you know, keeping him in place and, and keeping Joe Woods scheme in place, which has obviously worked since, since the new England game, the defense has hit that next level. You know, I think I think that's important. Um, will there be little things uh, again? I, we will see, and, and these are the next steps. But but I don't know. Um, question from Nate: What do you think John Dorsey is thinking when he watches Baker play? Do you think he made? Do you think he thinks he made a mistake? Uh, I, I don't know. I, I've never spoken for John Dorsey. He's his own cat. He's a different cat. That's for sure. Um, you know, they were definitely not in on Josh Allen, guys. They, they didn't think Josh Allen was accurate enough. And, you know, frankly, I, I don't know that they had the pieces in place, the continuity and the patience that it was going to take to develop Josh Allen. They did not consider Lamar Jackson. They did not. Um, the Browns did their homework on Sam Darnold, Josh Rosen, <laughs> Josh Allen, and Baker Mayfield. All four went in the top ten. Um, two are having awful careers. Uh, Baker is Baker and needs to be replaced for the Browns to get where they want to go. And Josh Allen is an MVP candidate and Lamar, who's not among those four already won an MVP. So that's how it is. Question from Andrew. I'll piggyback on that. Uh, Baker is a forced relationship with Stefanski. 
DePodesta and Andrew Barry were in the room when Dorsey took him. I'm not sure DePodesta was in the room. We, um, we would have to go back and look at that. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Did anyone else have input on that pick, or was it all Dorsey? Does Baker have fans in Deep Odessa or AB for what he was as a prospect? Uh, they will. Andrew Barry will never, ever answer that, ever. So I, I can't answer that for you. Um, it was not all Dorsey, but I can tell you this. I've, I've written about this. I wrote an in-depth story on Dorsey's year-long pursuit of Baker Mayfield. Um, it was not all Dorsey. It was unanimous almost across the board except for one guy, Alonzo Highsmith, who was probably Dorsey's second in charge. And he was won over by Baker once they got to the process of of watching him work out with his teammates and really getting to know him. He, he thought it was Baker's personality traits and leadership that boosted him over the top. So, um, again, you know, that, that process that led them to take a guy who clearly has a ceiling and appears to have hit it, I understand it's frustrating, and and the Browns, the Browns are in a much better spot, a much better roster, and I think with the right patience and a couple of right moves, the organization can continue to move forward. But when you don't have that answer at quarterback, and you look around at the teams across the AFC who have quarterbacks who are younger and tremendously better than yours, it's it's hard. Um, and even in this strange year in the division where the Ravens have been ravaged by injuries. And the Bengals are on the rise but are far from a perfect or even finished product. And the Steelers are just limping with this old man at quarterback in a defense that is uncharacteristically awful. Um, You would just have thought that a little better from your offense that returned every single guy, the top 16 guys, would have you in a better spot. And maybe the Browns will still win the division. Maybe there are eight quarters left, um, (laughs) eight quarters of good offense left in here, and, and we'll see. But, yeah, it, it's it's frustrating. Um, I get it, and we'll, we will see how it goes. Um, I believe that the Browns will seriously pursue a trade for a veteran quarterback in the offseason. 
I believe the chances of that actually being pulled off are slim. I think they're almost none with Aaron Rodgers. I think they're almost none with Russell Wilson. I do not know what will happen with Deshaun Watson. When you add the fact that nobody knows, when you add the seriousness of the allegations against him, and when you add the asking price if he does get cleared, I think it's a very, very long shot that the Browns end up with him. Before the accusations last year, um, as you may know, I made the case that the Browns should go trade for Deshaun Watson. He had made his trade deadline, his trade demand public, and I thought it was the right thing to do. Um, right now, with the layers of complication, all I can say is I can't see it happening. I, I, I don't know anything more than anyone else does um, about it, and – and we'll just see how it goes. Let me see if there's a couple more questions here. I thought there were. Um, question from Jason. Zach, I would love to have some insight on what your game day prep is like and what your setup and view is during the game. Well, Jason, this is pretty boring, um, but I do want to answer this for, for one reason. So my game day prep is I'm a savant, and I'm just into football all the time, and I'm you know reading these charts and these stat sheets and um, following <laughs> who I follow and reading all I can. Um, so I like to have two screens open during the game. A lot of times in the press box now that there's not room for that. The NFL does provide a, li a live stats feed for us that um, allows us to, in a couple of clicks, play-by-play, -play, um, you know, as detailed stats as you can get in real time, follow everything with the game. And then, of course, th that's for all the games, so you can kind of track the other ones too. Um, it is interesting because a couple things happened in Green Bay. Uh, being there live that later when I went back and watched the game. Um, in particular, I'm talking about the first missed PAT. In person, that was probably the worst kick I've ever seen in an NFL game, at least not one that w didn't get moved by 45-mile-an-hour wins. You watch it on the TV replay two days later when I get home, it was, it was bad, but it did not, to me, do it justice, and I think that weighed into Stefanski's thinking. And then the other thing that happened in that game um, – the Packers challenge, I think it was Donovan Peoples-Jones makes a sliding catch. And I thought in person, I thought it was a catch all the way. And the Packers threw the challenge flag, and I thought, okay, whatever. And so um, on the scoreboard, the first angle they showed, they showed a back angle of the play, and it looked like the ball was on the ground. And Donovan Peoples-Jones' back was to the Packers' sideline. So that is the view that the Packers' coaches had. And if that scoreboard shot that I mentioned is the first one that their upstairs replay official or whoever it is in their system saw, I can see why they'd challenge it. What the TV replay showed, it was pretty clearly a catch. Those were all front angles. Um, I think it was a catch, as, as I mentioned, all the way. So that's just how it, you, you see things differently. And, you know, part of being there at the games is I can look on the Browns sideline and look for body language and look for, you know, personnel groupings running in and out and who's lined up to run in and out, who's in the injury tent and who's not lined up to run in and out, all of those things. On certain plays, I can choose to pick, uh, to focus on the left tackle, the right guard, the deep safety, whomever that may be. And sometimes you guess right and you really get a different view of the play. Um, and sometimes you guess wrong and you have to go look at the TVs for the replay. And depending on the stadium and the angle, um, it's it's hard to do. Uh Sometimes it's a it's an actual live TV feed from the TV truck right to the press box. We see the same replays the same time as you guys do. In in Green Bay, it was a delayed uh, broadcast to the press box. So by the time you got to see the play again, the next one was going on. It's just kind of how it goes. So um, 
you know, I enjoy being into games. You feel the game and you, and you kind of see it differently. But like I said, there are times where I absolutely need to go back and watch um, the day later, two days later, whenever it is to see, um, <clears throat> you know, to see things. And sometimes when I'm, when people are conversing with me on Twitter in the comments section, I mean, watching the game in person is not always the same as watching it on TV. So let's see if there's any other questions here. I thought there were more than that. Um, but it appears I was wrong. So uh, anyway, let's hope that the COVID stuff is over for the most part um, with the players. I mean, you know, when they made the punter swap, part of the attraction to Colquitt was he had already been on the COVID list, so they don't have to worry about it. You know, guys have a 60-day testing window after they've tested positive where they don't need to test. So that's, so all of these guys, the 18, 20-some guys, are good the rest of the way for the Browns, whether it's two weeks, three weeks, or, or four weeks. And um, going back to Nick Chubb being on the COVID list at midseason – you know, that applies there too. So they should be in good shape. Like I said, health-wise, they're going to be in good shape. I mean, they're going to bring a roster, uh, a team to Pittsburgh that's good enough to win. And, and the defense, you know, frankly balled out missing guys um, in each of the last couple of games. So we will uh, we will see how that goes. We They can't control, nobody can control what will happen with the Bengals uh, or with anyone else. But I think the Browns win in Pittsburgh. I think Stefanski buckles up. And runs the ball, and I think that sets up Sunday night, uh, week 18, for all the division marbles. Uh, Baker Mayfield against another number one pick. And um, if there's one team that Baker Mayfield has owned in his career, it's the Cincinnati Bengals. So, boy, wouldn't that be interesting. Thank you guys for listening. Thank you guys for reading. Um, This will be the only pregame podcast of the week. Enjoy your New Year's. Consume safely. Stay safe out there. And uh, the next podcast will be Jason and I late, late Monday night, early Tuesday morning from Heinz Field after the Browns play the Steelers. Talk to you then.